Okay, so we are continuing Inconvenient Jesus, and we are doing Widows, Orphans, and the Poor. So my name is Janelle Holloway, and I am a campus pastor at Clemson University in South Carolina. So go Tigers, we are going to be number one. So <laughs> you keep up with football at all. Um, I, had, I had to give that little push, you know? Um, anyways, so... So... Um, that's just a little bit of me. You're going to hear a lot more of my story as I go on because we'll have plenty of personal anecdotes for you. But just for starting, um, three years ago, I felt like it was time for my husband and I to adopt. Now, if you knew me then, you would know that we already had four biological kids, um, but we had always considered doing foster care or adoption. And so um, three years ago, I just really felt this burden that God has placed on my heart. Now's the time. And so um, I spoke to my husband who just slipped in. So this is Joe. Um, and so I said, I think, I think it's time. And um, we wanted to make sure that we were following God and not just Janelle's heart because I tend to be a very passionate person. And so once I get an idea, I just kind of run with it. So we did a three-day fast and just asked God, what do you want us to do? And our request was, God... Give us both the same answer. That was our way of knowing we had definitely heard from God. And both of us, when we came back together, God had spoken the exact same scripture passage to us. And that has become very much my life verse the last few years. And it is James 1.27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So basically, God answered our question, pretty matter-of-fact. So as a result, we have fostered four kids now, and three of them have been with us for a year and a half, and we are preparing for adoption, hopefully, in the next few months. So um, just quick introductions. You have Josiah, Aliyah, 10, 9, uh, Chasen is 8, and almost Andrick is 6, and then these are our foster kids which they are um, six, four, and two. And so they are all with us here. Um, so if you see me walking around, you will see seven little ducklings walking somewhat behind me or running around me, one of the two. So, um, so that's where we ended up. And so as you can see, it's kind of a no-brainer why they asked me to speak on widows, orphans, and the poor. Um, because that's something very close to my heart. Um, so... This track is called Inconvenient Jesus. Like I already said, you guys know that. You signed up for it. And I learned many years ago that God is not convenient. And most of you probably know that. Um, but it was hardly convenient for Abraham to pack up and leave the land that he knew to go to a land that he did not know, where he was a complete foreigner. Um, I think we sometimes, uh, these Bible characters, we so romanticize them in our minds, we forget, like, you don't know the language. You don't know the culture. And God is just like, go. Okay. And he packed it all up and went. Or for Moses to return to Egypt to rescue the Israelites. And to have to go face his adoptive brother, Pharaoh. Like, I love the Prince of Egypt movies. Okay, like the cartoon. All right, I know it's not completely accurate. But I love that it actually tried to portray a relationship between Moses and Pharaoh. Because I'm like, dude, they grew up together. Like, that may have more realism than we think. You know, but it was not convenient for Moses to go back and do that. It was not convenient for David 
to be anointed king and then have to run away from Saul for the next how many years as he's fleeing for his life before he became king. It was not convenient for Mary and Joseph. Come on, she looked like she was knocked up. And it's, I mean, seriously, she's in a society where this is so inappropriate. And she was this good, righteous woman. I can only imagine what was said behind her back. Because God had chosen her. And to convince people that it, it wasn't from her sin, this was God's blessing. Like, that, that's not very convenient. It doesn't feel very blessed, I'm sure. God is not convenient. Just like Sean taught us last night, God is more concerned with the inside than the out. He's more concerned with our eternal salvation and about someone else's eternal salvation than with our earthly comforts. So, um, you see, God sees eternity and we only see a minute. God sees the whole picture and we only see that single stroke of our life. 17 years ago, I was a Catholic student just like you. I found a picture of me. I'm sure there are others, but there you go, 19-year-old Janelle. Um, so, like to have fun. So, 17 year, years ago, I was a cutoff student, just like you. I knew that I wanted to serve God. And I asked him, God, where would you like me to serve? How would you like me to serve you? And God said, with your life. And he challenged me without going to the whole story, but he challenged me to give my life as a martyr for him. Will you die for me? Will you go to the hardest parts of the world for me? Will you risk it all for me? That was God's question to me when I asked him. What do you want me to do with my life? It seemed like an innocent question, guys. A lot of you guys have probably asked that same question. God, what am I supposed to do? What major am I supposed to get? And he says, will you die for me? Will you give me every bit of your life? And I'd like to say that I gave him a resounding yes. Um, I did not. I argued with him for a solid 10 months. Because I knew what he was asking. He had asked it so clearly. And I was not prepared to be like Peter. She just read when Jesus said, you're going to go and you're going to die. And he was crucified. And essentially God was telling me like, are you willing to do that sort of thing for me? And it took me 10 months to reach a spot where I said, okay, if you want me to go and die for you in some painful, uncomfortable, horrible way, I will do it. I will do whatever you ask me to do. A little bit of an inconvenience. He has challenged me every day since, in every season of my life, to die to myself and to live for Him. To inconvenience my comforts, my personal space, my finances, my dreams, my relationships, my safety, all for the sake of His kingdom. Now, I imagine that I was going to be overseas and some, you know, go talk to the Iraqi missionaries. Like, I thought I was going to be like them. But He's challenged me to do all those things right here in the southern United States. Luke 9.23 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And then Jesus went on later in Luke, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. God's powerful. Take up your cross. 
once again, you know, we, we romanticize crosses. We wear them around our necks and on our shirts and put them on tattoos. And it's a way of saying I'm a Christian. But, like, they are horrible, painful, torturous. And he's telling the people who are following him. I mean, this isn't just the 12. This is everyone who is listening to him. If you do not bear your cross and come after me, you cannot be my disciple. And that's the same call that he's making to each of us even now. He's calling each of us to inconvenience ourselves, to die daily to ourselves, to our ambitions, to our comforts, to our safety, to our dreams, to our visions for him. That's what the Christian walk is. Now, like I said earlier, many of you may feel like to live as a martyr is to go overseas some dangerous location. Like, that's the way I originally saw it. But it's not just to missionaries. It's to every one of us. Right here, good old southeast. We got a lot of the Bible belts still flowing through here. And he's still calling us to die daily to ourselves and to follow him. And some of you, I hope he does call to go overseas. Please talk to all the missionaries down in the lobby. But some of you he's calling to live this every day here in the United States. So what does an inconvenient Christian life look like, particularly here in our country? It's to live generously. I'm just going to give you a few different kind of steps or ideas from Scripture. So Matthew 5.42, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Okay, wow, guys, let's just pause for just a second. Do not refuse the one who wants to borrow from you. So if you have the money, now it's one thing if you don't have the money, but if you have the money, do not refuse. Challenge. Does anyone get that? Luke 12, 33-34, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Prove to God where your treasure is, essentially. Many of you probably know the story of the rich young ruler when he comes before Jesus and he's like, I followed all your commandments. And Jesus says, well then go and sell all that you have. And follow me. And scripture says the man walked away disappointed because he was very rich and he chose his wealth over Christ. How easy is that to do? And then Proverbs 19 17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Our generosity will be rewarded. Maybe not here on earth, okay? Because there's sometimes that idea that floats around like if I give. $20 to this person, then like miraculously, like $20 is going to come back to me somehow. Um, it doesn't really like, God's not on that human system. So you may never see the reward till heaven. So just a little heads up. You might see it here on earth, but don't, don't be too disappointed if you don't. <laughs> so basically, we are to use our finances and our possessions to help those who are in need. So why did we open our home to foster kids? We already had four kids of our own. Most people would say we had our hands pretty full on our own, right? Well, the problem is, is that I looked around my house one day, 
And I, we're not rich, okay? I mean, you guys know we're campus pastors, so most of y'all know kind of how your campus pastors live. We're all on the same budget, okay? So, but we had fixed up a, uh, a foreclosure, and so we had five bedrooms, three bathrooms, and we're pretty handy. So my husband had built an indoor playground, and my kids had an outdoor playground and a pirate ship, because we're cool like that. And... <laughs> And we had this, you know, we just had a great setup. And I thought, wow, what a waste for only four kids to get to enjoy all this awesomeness. <laughs> like, I'm really serious. Like, I thought, man, there's so many other kids out there who have nothing. And my kids have more than they need. And I thought, wow, we should share it. It was the idea of sharing the wealth. Now, that's not an American idea. That's not a human idea, but that is a God idea. And I believe he put that in my heart and he gave me that divine perspective because I haven't always been like that. But he changed my heart and helped me to see that I had possessions that I could use to help others and specifically to help those who had fallen into the orphan category. Um, <coughs> next slide is. Oh yeah, this. <laughs> this is the one slide I could find sexy lady. Thank you. That was Valentine's Day. So, um, my husband painted up my van. Um, <laughs> I drove that for like two weeks before I got it washed, too. Everyone like honk at me when I'm driving. I'm like, thanks, peace. Yes. So, um, sharing your possessions, share, and bringing, giving to the needy, taking care of the needy, um, it's not always easy. Um, I put these pictures specifically because I have pride, like all of you. I have pride. And um, although I love kids, truly love kids, I used to joke that I was going to end up being one of those cheap, cheap, uh, cheaper by the dozen people. Like, we'd see the movie. I'm like, that's going to be me someday. Um, so I think God always, I always knew this was coming. Um, but I hate minivans. Like, I want to be cool. Okay? Like, I tr I'm college pastor. I want to be cool. Um, so I despise minivans to the core of my being. And I drive a full-size 15-passenger van now, guys. Like, it's like the beyond minivan. Like, I crossed beyond the cool, like, by, like, the 10th degree. Um, so this is, yeah, this is my van full of my cool kids. Because I can't show some of their faces because that's illegal if they're in foster care. Um, the ones that I showed are the ones who are here with you guys earlier, so I could show their faces because you're going to see them here. But, um, anyways. So, yeah. You have to inconvenience yourself. It's sometimes a little humbling. Had to give up the, the cool ride for the super uncool ride. I still miss my Montero. That was my favorite car ever because I can't afford a Land Rover, so that was like my version. It had like the big sunroof and all that junk, so it was cool. Super cool. Someday, someday when I'm like 60, I'll be one of those people. So it takes some inconveniencing of yourself and humility. Whoops, wrong button. Not that one. Give me just a second, guys, because I'm so not computer literate. Okay. Do not neglect, neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. That's what we did when we opened our house. We shared what we had. Um... 1 John 3.17, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Does that one not get you? 
That one gets me so bad. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Now, some of you are probably like, I'm in college, I'm broke, um, I don't have a house with five bedrooms, like, not really in that whole stage of life yet. Um, so I don't know what I can do. Um, well, do you have a car? A car? Some of you do, some of you don't. Some of you do. A car is a pretty awesome possession because you can use your car to serve those around you who don't. Some of you probably already know that because you get like hit up all the time already because you're like the one driver. But, uh, but I want to recommend to having a, a spirit of generosity with your car. Um, we've had many students who didn't have cars who uh, would need rides to the doctor and our other students would take them. Or how about just as a Kyalpa Springer tree and we need carpool drivers? Nobody ever wants a carpool. They, want, they don't want to be the car putting the miles on. It's like, oh, yeah, sign up. Be the drivers. These are ways you can serve. I'm trying to give you practical. All right, practical. Um, do you have an apartment? If you have an apartment, maybe there's someone who's in between places who needs a place to crash for a few days. Our students have done it. We've had lots of people do it. Before we started foster care, that fifth bedroom was like the perpetual guest room. It still is, actually. We have this bedroom that doesn't have a window in it, so it can't be a bedroom. So um, that's where we sit guests. Fire hazard. Get out quick, guys. Um, so it has a bed and a dresser. And whenever somebody finds themselves in between housing, something happened, come on over, crash, crash in our guest room. You know, and, and because we've lived like that, a lot of our students have that same philosophy. Oh, this just happened. You need a place to crash? You can come sleep on the couch. I got an air mattress I can throw on the floor of my room. Beginning to use the possessions that God has given you to see your brother in need and to serve however you're able to use what you have, the goods that you have to help. One more and we'll move on. But do you have a good family? Because if you do, invite your fellow students who don't. Thanksgiving, Easter, Christmas. Holidays are hard if you don't have the best family background. It's painful. Invite your fellow students, friends, classmates to join you. I mean, obviously you got to talk to your parents first. But you know, help, help your parents understand the love of Christ. You know, don't, don't take a whole bunch home at once. You know, just take one. <laughs> like, and warm your parents up to it. Um, and then we always, this is an Easter picture, um, from a couple years ago, we always have students come for Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. Um, one of the guys in this picture, he's, he's been in our ministry for years. He does not have a family. He's an adult orphan. Like, his parents died um, years ago. He had a hard life. And he had never done an Easter egg hunt until he joined my family. 
I mean, the guy's in college. And I set up an Easter egg hunt for my kids. And I was like, you know what? It'd be fun. Let's do a little Easter egg hunt for the college students, too. We'll hide money in a couple of them. You know, make it big. <laughs> so, so that's totally what we did. So the, you know, the college students got, like, the front yard. The kids got the backyard. And, and he's like, I've never done an Easter egg hunt in my whole life. I've always wanted to do one. Because he didn't have a family who... He had the, a healthy family who would do just the fun traditions. He carved his first pumpkin with our family. Like, guys, college student, like you guys, you'd be surprised how many around you probably hide it well, but their family's full of pain. And just inviting them to join you is a way to serve. And it inconveniences you, it's hard. Especially when it's family time and you got this person who's not technically family. But is it worth it for the kingdom? 100%. 100 Um, 100%. Okay. So then you can give to people without the expectation of being paid back. This is something I always like to share. Because we're in a society where it's like, well, I'll loan you the money. But like, pay back. Okay. Um. If you can't give someone the money without being paid back, then just don't lend it in the first place. That's something that my husband and I have lived by our whole marriage. If we can't afford to give you the money, then we just can't afford to lend it in the first place. But we always give with no strings attached. So say a friend needs to borrow $200. I actually had a friend back in high school borrow $200. I held that over her for ever. Oh my goodness. So she paid me back every last penny. And God convicted me of that a few years later and I t- totally like sent her a message. I was like, I'm so sorry. She's like, girl, I forgot about that like five years ago. But, but I was convicted because I knew I had done her wrong. But if you can't afford to just give it away, then just say I'm sorry. I just can't afford it right now. And this is why. Luke 14, 12 through 14 says, he said also to the man who invi- invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return. You will be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Um, Joe and I actually specifically have started budgeting the last few years just to give a way to help people who are the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Like, people budget tithing, right? And hopefully you guys are starting to budget giving to missionaries and maybe little right now, like five bucks a month if you're not really working. But if you start that now, then you're going to be able to continue that as you get bigger paychecks. It's good to start the little things, right? So, the same for this. A lot of churches do benevolence funds. Like this is, you, know, you, you call the church and like, hey, I need help with my water bill. And the church is like, oh, well, we have this special fund. This is like, I'm encouraging you guys, start a heavenly perspective of always having a little bit tucked aside to help with someone with their power bill or their medicine or gas in their car or they can't buy this textbook or make these copies because they just ran out of money for that month. Or maybe they just don't have food money because they ran out of money for that month. Um, So, but to give to those who cannot repay you. 
Um, I gave a couple other ideas here on giving to the homeless. Uh, I don't usually give money, to be honest, but meals. Like, I'll totally run into Walmart and get the guy down the side of the street with the sign, a rotisserie chicken and a Coke. Like, here you go. Said you're hungry. Um, they're usually pretty grateful because, you know, those are pretty awesome. <laughs> so, um, so giving of them, we're actually collecting socks tomorrow night. So that's like my little plug for salt. If you didn't get the memo, some people did and some didn't. But they're actually collecting socks. So if you go out tomorrow to get food or tonight, stop by Dollar General, Walmart, grab a packet of socks because the homeless, it's cold. So that's something they're continually needing. So they've one of the other tracks are working with a homeless shelter, and that's what they requested. So we're wanting to bless them. <coughs> so there's your little practical thing you can do at Salt. All right. So um, so moving on. <clears throat> the next one. Oh, okay. So there are more of James. I forgot to put that one in here. The sweet guy has become part of our family, um, but I'll talk about him another time. All right, so what else is inconvenience seeing yourself for Jesus look like? Dying to yourself daily look like? It means taking risk. Specifically, risking your own safety and comforts. We are in such a comfortable society, y'all, and I love it. I am so grateful that I was not born in the Middle Ages or even 100 years ago. I love AC, I love heat, I love electricity. I am grateful. Um, But God still calls us to deny ourselves, take up our cross and live for Him. And so that means taking risks and giving up our own safety and comfort sometimes to trust Him. John 15, 12 through 14 says, This is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. You guys have all heard it before, but it's the most challenging scripture. Lay down your life. Acts 20.24 But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Once again, He doesn't count his life as being worth anything above the gospel and being willing to lay it all on the line for the gospel. Uh, Luke 9.24, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Um, I've definitely held on to that one many times. And then Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Imitators of God. Walking in love. And what is the greatest love? To give himself up. The greatest way we can show love to the people around us is to sacrifice our comfort, our time, our finances everything for those around us. Christ died. Paul died. Peter died. You know, like all of these guys, they all, essentially, they all died for Christ. They were tortured. Almost all were martyred for Christ, for the gospel. And we're told to do the same as him. God tells us that it's not our job to protect our lives. It's our job, it's not our job to plan for our future. 
It's our job to entrust our life today and tomorrow to Him. Be it dying today or dying when we're 80. It's our job to live every day as if it's the last for, his, for the gospel. God has called myself and our family to this kind of sacrifice so many times. Like I said, the whole living the sacrificial, dangerous life here in the South, it can actually <coughs> happen. Um, now, dangerous being a perceived risk, let me note that. But it all started back when we were interns at Florida State. So I was like 22, so I wasn't too old at the time. And we were newly married, doing our internship at Florida State, and I remember we met, Joe met this student who was living out of his car. And Joe's like, I met the student, and we got this two-bedroom apartment, I thought he could stay in the other bedroom until he finds a place. And I was like, but, but you don't know him. He's like, I know, but it's okay, he's a student. I'm like but he could be a wax student. Like, we don't know him. <laughs> like, and um, see, I was, I was new to this whole idea at this point. Um, but needless to say, student moved in, stayed, you know, a night or two with us, and then moved on. I was scared to death that night. Like, I remember, like, my door was directly across the hall from his door, and, like, both were opened, and I felt like I hardly slept at all because I was just like, is he going to come in here? Is he like a psycho student? Like, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I was still working on the trusting God thing. So um, I, was, I was new at this. But that was the very first little baby step that God took us on, on this whole, trust me, trust me. Then <clears throat> he began to teach me a little more about trusting him. And we met another homeless student at Clemson now. We moved on a few years. We had a couple kids at this point, and she's living out of her car. Or she didn't even have a car. I don't even know where she was staying, honestly. But Joe met her, because he's the one who's always meeting these people. And, <laughs> and he's like, hey, I think this girl like should come and stay with us. And I was like, but we don't know her. I know. But I feel like God's telling, her, telling me that she needs to stay with us. So she did. I fixed up our guest room all cute because this is all new to me, okay? Like, I didn't even have a guest room yet. I'm, like, running to Walmart to buy stuff for the guest room. <coughs> I had heard, like, Oprah Winfrey say that I was supposed to have, like, soap and stuff, so I went and got it all. <laughs> I kid you not, I had, like, a little guest basket based on something I'd heard on Oprah, like, years earlier. I was like, she needs this to make her feel at home. Because that's what Oprah said. <laughs> so, we housed a student. She ended up staying with us for, like, six weeks. And that was a real turning point in my spirit where I realized, and God taught me during that time, it doesn't matter about my own safety or the safety of my kids. Because we had kids at this point, right? So there's, not only was I like, this could be not, not a good idea. Like, other people were like, this probably isn't the best idea. You don't know this stranger. Uh, and she lived with us for about six weeks before we were able to help her get into a good housing situation. And then, oh, then, a few months later, God took me for a whirlwind like you wouldn't believe. We have an alumni come up to us, and he says, Hey, I met this homeless guy, and I think you guys should let him stay with you. And I was like, yeah, I don't know this guy at all. And, um, and Joe's like, I don't know. And so we kind of prayed about it. We weren't sure. And the very next day, Joe randomly bumps into this, homeless guy at Sonic 
And like, I was just like, yeah, y'all are supposed to take him. So we took him. Let me tell you, everybody thought we were crazy. Because we had four kids at this point. This guy is, what, 6'5", like 300 pounds. I'd never met him a day in my life. And we took him off the street and let him live with us and our four kids. And suddenly everybody was like, the safety of your kids! Yeah, that whole safety of your kids thing bumped up like a hundred notches when he also got convicted of like stealing a weapon <gasps> and brought taken to jail. And then God said, oh, yeah. and then God said, hey, y'all are supposed to bail him out and let him come back and live with you. See, remember, our life is not our own. The safety of my kids is not my responsibility. I mean, you can't be stupid, but if God speaks... Right? Obedience is God's love language. Isn't that what Jackie just said? If God speaks, we have to obey. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Die daily. And that was hard. <coughs> and we had someone else end up having to come and live with us during that time. She had to get out of her house. And I had two extra mouths to feed. We lost a bunch of supporters, so I had no money, less money than ever. Our car didn't work, so we had one car trying to take everybody to all their stuff. And I spent almost every day, I would serve and love them and serve my kids and love these people living in my home who were not easy people because they were going through all sorts of trouble at the time. And then I would go and lock myself in my bedroom and lay on the floor and cry and beg God to give me the strength to go back out and face it all again. And then I would stand up and I would go back out to the living room and I'd take care of the kids and take care of this guy and take care of his wife and daughter and all this other stuff that need people taking care of them and take care of this other girl. And somehow, every day, God gave the strength. And somehow, every bill got paid, and every mouth got fed, and we were able to support not just us, but these other people as well. And God taught us so much during that time that it's not about us, and it's not about our comforts, because it's not comfortable sharing your house with a bunch of people you don't even know. And it's not comfortable having to give up your freedoms to go drive them to all the different things that they need to go to because you don't, they don't have a car and you don't have an extra one. But God calls us to inconvenience ourselves for Him and to serve others for Him. It's not about us. It's about Him. <clears throat> um, and it was that time that I believe that God truly prepared my heart for the foster care that we ended up doing. Because just to let you know, we did not plan on doing foster care. I wanted to adopt in a nice, pretty little package, right? So, like, you apply, and they, like, say, here's the kid that's going to fit you, and, like, the kid's yours. And um, we didn't get that. We, like, fell into foster care hardcore because um, some friends of ours that we were ministering to, like, their daughter, neat DSS, showed up, and they're like, either DSS takes our daughter or you do. 
and we know that you've been approved to adopt through DSS, so will you take our daughter? And so we did. And thus began almost two years of foster care that I never thought I would do because I didn't think my heart could handle it. But the truth is, that's the kind of people foster care needs, is people who are afraid that their heart's going to get broken. Because my kids have been in homes where their foster parents didn't connect with them because they were guarding their hearts so hard. They were fed, they were clothed, they were taken care of, but they never felt the love. And so if you guys are, I'm just going to put that plug out there, if you've ever thought I could never do foster care, like because it would hurt too much, it's too hard, like you're the exact person that foster care needs. It's hard. We learned that parenting a teenager in foster care is really hard. She looks really sweet here. This is a good day. <laughs> she wanted to match with me and my daughter, so like embrace it on the days you get it. Um, it wasn't always that, that lovely, trust me. Threw us on, under the bus many a times. And there was a point when I said I will never foster a teenager again. Um, but that's not true. Like, that was just true for like that evening. But like, because, and the reason that's not true, fostering a teenager is a pain in the butt, okay? I'm going to be super honest with you. It's hard. They're hard. My four-year-old who's here, oh, he's hard. He throws stuff and breaks stuff and dumps a whole thing of juice on the floor just because he wants to, to be mean. Like, but it's coming out of a heart of pain and of trauma. It's not convenient. My four biological kids, they're actually pretty easy. I've raised them well. They know me. They've been going to salts and stuff like this forever. They, they do the duckling thing pretty well. <laughs> then you throw the other kids into the mix. It's not easy. It's not convenient. And it's not a short-term thing. It's long-term. But that's what God calls us to do to inconvenience ourselves, to serve others for our lifetime. For our lifetime. Alright, finally, trust God. You probably notice that this theme is going through all of it anyways, but ultimately you have to trust God with your safety and trust God with your finances and trust God with everything. Because the fact is, you can get your really good degree that's going to make you a whole bunch of money and you can still go bankrupt and you can still have some horrible health condition that's going to wreck your life and things can still go terribly wrong and it won't matter anymore. And all of your laying up treasure in heaven won't matter anymore. Ultimately, we are called to trust God above all else. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Matthew 6.25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body and what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Psalm 9.10, And those who know your name put their trust in you, O Lord, for you have not forsaken those who seek you. And Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God will be with you. He will direct you. He will not forsake you. But I want you to note this one caveat. The treasure that you are promised, the, the safety that God promises you, 
the um, the provision of food and uh, clothing and all that God promises you, it goes into eternity. And so the honest truth is God may call you into something here that may cost your life. And other people will say, but God... You said that you would be with them and that you would protect and you are our refuge and our stronghold. But guess what? He is for all eternity. But life here on earth is full of sin and full of brokenness. It doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change his provision. But we have to remember it's all in light of eternity. I've walked this road of learning to trust God with everything for a long time. <clears throat> and as a lot of you guys can already tell, I'm wearing this fun little hat. Um, and it's because I'm bald. Because God has taken me on an additional journey of trust through cancer. I'm telling you guys this. This isn't specifically a part of the orphans and widows, but it's so a part of inconvenient Jesus. God will call you on journeys that don't make sense. He will call you on journeys that are going to be painful. Things in life are going to happen that's going to make you kind of mad. And that's just a part of living in a broken world. But God is faithful through it all. And He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always there. And we can trust that treasure and eternity is being laid up every single time we sacrifice ourselves for Him. Every single time we inconvenience ourselves for His glory, we're laying up treasure in heaven. But we may not see that treasure here on earth. In July, I was diagnosed with cancer. I have seven kids. We have no staff this year because in true Chi Alpha fashion, we sent our staff to South Korea. <laughs> so they're doing Chi Alpha there. And we have no staff this year. And God, in a way that only God can plan, chose to have me get cancer the same year that we're still going through foster care, that we're still that we have no staff. And he stripped away a lot of our helps. But this is a verse that my mother-in-law held on to when she went through cancer 10 years ago. And she modeled it so beautifully to me. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 17 years ago, I told God I was willing to die for him. Anything that he called me to do, I would do with open hands. And he has called us to so many sacrifices, so many risks, so many inconveniences over the years. And guess what? I am so blessed for it. And I'm so grateful. And I've gotten to see God work in miraculous ways that you guys would never believe. I've gotten to see God bring families whole that were just ravished by drugs and all sorts of stuff because we were able to be inconvenienced for Him. 
I want to challenge you guys starting now. Live a life of sacrifice for God. Because I can truly say I can find joy in the journey. Even now, I trust Him with the outcome. Now, am I believing for complete healing? Yes, 100%. But if it doesn't happen, it's okay. Because I can trust that if I die, it would be for eternal purpose. It would be for God's glory. And I'm okay with that. Because God's taught me through all these little things how to inconvenience myself and to sacrifice and to take up my cross for Him. So now when the bigger thing comes and you hear the C word that everyone panics about, we didn't panic. I mean, I cried because I didn't want to... I hate needles. <laughs> I have a lot of needles. Many times a week. I cried because I didn't look forward to the process and the pain. But we had total peace in whatever the outcome. Because it's not about us. It's about Him. So we're going to close. And I just want to challenge you guys. How is God calling you to inconvenience yourself for the cause of Christ? What are things that He's laying on your heart even now that you know, you know what, I could do that. I could serve in that way. What are some hard things that He is calling you to say yes to? And maybe you're like me and He's calling you, will you give up your life for me? I certainly didn't know I was going to go into Chi Alpha when he asked me that question. I was a sophomore in college. Elementary, elementary. Never taught a day in my life. <laughs> at homeschool. But. <laughs> but what is God calling each of you to? And to give up for him. So we're just going to take just a couple minutes for you guys to pray and to think about that silently and then I'll close this out. So I'll open us. You guys can pray on your own and then I'll close this. Dear God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you that you gave the ultimate sacrifice. You, you left the glory and the majesty and the painlessness of heaven and you came to earth and you experienced all the heartache and the pain and the sickness that we experience here. And ultimately, you experienced torture and death. You did the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate inconvenience for sure. And God, I just pray that you would help each of us, each student here, to be able to take up their cross daily and live for you. To lay it all on the line and to trust you for their daily bread. To trust you for their future, whatever that future will be. Give them peace in knowing that no matter what the outcome it's all for your glory. And so I just pray right now, God, speak to their hearts and lead them into this next uh, just level of Christian life that you're going to call them to, Lord. Just speak to each one of us, God.
Lord, I thank you for every student here. I thank you that you are already moving in their lives. Just the fact that they chose a track called Inconvenient Jesus tells me that these are students who are looking for another depth to their spirituality, who are looking to serve you in unexpected ways. And so, God, I just pray that you would use each of these students in mighty mighty ways in the days, months, and years to come. Speak to them clearly, God. Let them know your voice, to hear your voice, that they can have that same peace that we have and that same assurance that we have had with so many of these steps that we've taken, that they will know God spoke and I must follow. That they won't forget that obedience is God's love language. I love that, God. That they would serve you even to the point of giving their very life for you every day of their life. And I just thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen.